Father, it is an honor to come before you today. King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who will never be moved, as we sang earlier, and who never changes, the God who keeps his word and all of his promises, the God who is our creator, our Lord, our master, the God who sent his only son to die on the cross and bear the wrath of God for us. We thank you and we praise you. And that the, the one who raised Jesus from the dead and the one who has made a place for us in heaven and the one who will raise our mortal bodies from the dead one day. Oh Lord, we give you praise, glory and honor. And we say like the people on Palm Sunday, Hosanna, God save us. And we pray, Father, that uh, you would be glorified even in our problems, even in our trials, even in our failures. May we learn from them and learn to trust you. And as the old song says, oh, for grace to trust him more would be our cry. I pray for people today who are discouraged. I pray for people who are lonely. I pray for people who are in hospitals saying goodbye to a loved one. I pray for people who uh, maybe this last week they got a test report back from the doctor and it's not good news. I pray for people who are struggling in their marriages. I pray for people who are struggling with their children and uh, pray that you would bring prodigals home. And I pray, Father, for those who are fighting and battling addictions, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, pornography. And I pray that you, as the one who sets the captives free, I pray you would liberate them. I pray, Father, for people who are trapped in humanism. I pray for people who are trapped in liberal Christianity. I pray for people who are sitting in a church this morning where the pastor may be preaching, but he doesn't believe the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring them out of that kind of thing into a Bible-believing church and a vibrant and powerful walk with God. I pray for people who have lost the joy of your salvation. And I pray that they would be cleansed of sin and filled with the Holy Spirit and you would restore the joy back to them. I pray for people who don't know how they're going to pay the bills tomorrow and pray that you would show them you are the great provider. I pray for people who need a job and uh, maybe need a raise or something like that. And I pray that you would show them that you are the God who provides even during economic difficulties. And I pray, Lord, for our nation. And, uh, Father, we are killing ourselves. It's almost like we're committing national suicide as we try to do things our own way and we try to do everything that seems to be exactly opposite of what the Word of God says. And I want to pray for you, Lord, the God who has every right to destroy our nation, to judge our nation, and perhaps we're already under judgment. I pray that, Lord, in wrath you would remember mercy. And I pray, Father, you would have mercy on our nation and I pray you would spare us. I pray for people that are around the globe this morning who are gathered like we are, except they're gathered under threat of imprisonment, execution, losing their job, losing their family, being declared mentally incompetent. And I pray for them, Lord, the persecuted church. Help them, bless them, 
and strengthen them. And as we seem to be moving more and more in that direction, help us to stand up and to stand strong and to stand firm. We pray, Lord, for those who are elected to office, whether it be uh, the White House or whether it be the Congress, whether it be in the governor's mansion, whether it be the state house, whether it be a mayor or people on the city council or people on school boards. Oh, Father, we pray for them. And we pray that you would liberate them from secular humanism. And we pray that you would also save their souls and give them wisdom, Father, and protect them. And Lord, we pray for the people that were affected by the tornadoes of a few days ago. Pray for the people in coal who... Uh, uh, are grieving the loss of loved ones and pray that you would comfort and bless them their family and their friends we pray for people in places like shawnee who are having to do a lot of cleanup and we pray you would help them and help them as they get everything in order and bless that and thank you that you're with us through the storms and the trials of life and even you walk with us david said through the very valley of the shadow of death and so we fear no evil because you are with us. Now bless us as we open up your word and make our hearts tender and make our minds receptive. And we pray that we would leave this place right with God and live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles and you will turn with me to the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians and that uh, second chapter, we're going to... Uh, pick up where we left off last week and uh, we're going to uh, see the things that are going on here continuing with this thought about the Antichrist the Thessalonians concerned that they had missed the whole thing and concerned that they were uh, because the Lord had already come and they were already in the tribulation in the day of the Lord and uh, Paul is reassuring them that this man of sin is going to be revealed first. Now, there have been a lot of people that have said, well, this man of sin, that's talking about a government or a movement or something like that. Well, I can understand why they would come to that. I don't uh, agree with it. I think Paul, the way he frames this here, this is an actual person who is going to come on the scene and uh, he's going to come suddenly, but he's going to be revealed. He can't come until it's God's timing and permission to come there's something that is uh, being used by God to restrain him or he would take power today okay but uh, not yet not yet look at verses 8 through 12 of 2nd Thessalonians 2 and Paul says and uh, then the lawless you might want to circle that word lawless the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with uh, the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. I, I think Paul there is wanting the Thessalonians and by extension us to know that as powerful as this guy is going to be and the fact that he is coming on, Paul tells us he's going to be revealed. Oh, by the way, he's going to be uh, destroyed just as easily and quickly as he's going to be revealed. It'll be after a period of time, but uh, he wants us to know the ending before we go on through anything else. And then he goes on to tell us in verse 9 that the coming of the lawless one 
is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and this is an interesting uh, couple of words here, lying wonders. You can't believe everything you see, can you? You can't believe everything that's supernatural. Just because it is supernatural does not mean that it's God. Francis Schaeffer said, All that glitters is not gold, and all that's religious is not holy. Let that sink in, because we're so easily deceived. Well, these are lying wonders. Yes, the devil can do miracles. Verse 10, and it says, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, lost people. And why are they perishing? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. It's talking about the gospel. When you got saved, you received the gospel. You not only believed it, but you loved it and you embraced it and you have uh, trusted in it with your entire heart. And Paul said, the people then are not going to do that and that's why they are condemned. Verse 11, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. In other words, if you happen to be around after the uh, church is taken out, and after the uh, Antichrist is revealed, and when the mark of the beast comes along, don't be so arrogant as to think, well, when that happens, and I'll just get saved then. Now, there are going to be people that are saved during the tribulation. That is clear in the scripture. But don't count on being one of them, because you will probably be one who believes the the lie because of the strong delusion that is sent by the Lord here, okay? So uh, verse 12 says that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And that's, you know, you look at all of that and you say, that all sounds vaguely familiar. It sounds a lot like the world that we live in now. Those things lawless and deceived and those kind of words don't they describe our culture now they do let me give you the answer to that first john 4 3 says this is the spirit of the antichrist which you heard was coming and look at this john now is in the world already uh he may not be here right now but what is John saying to us? That even though we can't see him, we can't put our eyes on him, but the Spirit. Did you notice that? Uh, that's an interesting phrase there that it says, The Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. Uh, it means already there's the Spirit that is moving now. So as I was thinking about that, I wrote down uh, some words and I thought, Satan has a plan, he has power, and he is constantly applying pressure. Pressure was the third word that I wrote down. But he has no permission, no permission to do it. And so when people say things like, uh, do you think Hitler was the Antichrist? No. But I think the spirit of Antichrist was motivating him. And the same could be said of many other people and even some people that are living now. Whether they turn out to be the Antichrist or not, I don't know. God knows exactly who this person is going to be. But the spirit is already here. How can the spirit of Antichrist already be here? Because the Antichrist 
will be indwelt by Satan, and Satan is already here. And Paul tells us in that passage we read out of uh, 2 Thessalonians that this is according to the working of Satan. So the Antichrist will be kind of a Satan incarnate, as we might say, and as we uh, think about here. And uh, he would do it if he could, but he can't. Because all of this is, even though it's his working, he, Satan, is under the control of a sovereign God. And he can't do anything until God allows him to do it. That's why we don't need to get worked up. That's why we don't have to be uh, restless about any of this. That's why we don't have to be in despair. God's got it all in control. And he is going to take care of us. So... Um, will you consider these things with me? First of all, I noted that the spirit of Antichrist is described as lawless. Lawless. Now that could be making reference to the Old Testament law. This is a guy who does not follow the Ten Commandments or any other commandment. This could be a guy who is just on his own so blasphemous that he doesn't follow the law of God. Well, I think that's a given that he wouldn't follow the law of God. And I think it could be extended to say, nor the laws of humanity, the laws of man. He doesn't have any sense of decency, no sense of right and wrong, no sense of humanity, nothing like that. I mean, when we look at somebody like Hitler and the people that uh, work with him, how could they slaughter six million Jews? How do you actually do that? Uh, I read at one point that at one concentration camp that uh, they were getting ready to uh, put a bunch of the Jewish men into the gas chamber, but they decided that they were going to uh, shoot the women. And the women, a lot of them were young women who had babies, and so they let, that, they let the women hold the babies to their breast. And it was with this one thing, the Nazis said, it'll save bullets, we can kill two with one bullet. Can you imagine? How do people do that and sleep at night? How do people do that and their conscious, conscience not just bother them um, to the point of even making them insane? Can you imagine those kind of things? And when we think about man's inhumanity to man... We are amazed sometimes. How can human beings do that? Well, that's what you find with the Antichrist because he is a lawless person. He doesn't conform to any law. And the reason is because, uh, as we saw earlier, he is going to actually rebuild the temple and then set himself in the Holy of Holies as God. You know why he doesn't have any kind of sense of uh, conscience why there is nothing that bothers him and why he can violate the law because he sees himself as being above the law he's God after all he doesn't have to conform to any law whether it's any law of religion or whether it is any law simply of society or of humanity or of decency none of that applies to him because this man is lawless and that lawlessness points to his arrogance here and then the lawless one will be revealed and how bad is it whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming this man is marked out for destruction and his arrogance tells him that no law applies 
to him. He can do whatever he chooses because he is God. He is the sovereign one. And he bows his knee to no God or at no altar. And he obeys no law but his own. And since uh, he is thinking of uh, ruling like this, he has a sense of justice. And the justice is whatever he determines it to be. It's not liberty and justice for all. It's not equal justice under the law. It's whatever he feels or decides at the moment. And we've read about cruel dictators and leaders and people like that throughout history who uh, just worked on a whim. However something hit them, that's what they did. And they could be very, very cruel and very, very unfair and unjust in what they do. And that's the picture that we receive of the Antichrist. Why? Because he is lawless. There is nothing restraining him. There is nothing that holds him back. There is nothing that causes him to stop. There is nothing that gets a hold of his mind or his conscience or anything like that. He is a lawless, a person who is without the law, the original language says. No law at all. He can do whatever he wants. At least that's what he thinks. Number two, notice that the spirit of Antichrist is a lie. This whole thing is based upon deception. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, by the way, who is the father of lies, and it's going to come with all power, signs, and with lying wonders. People are going to see this and they're going to go, Ooh, it has to be God. How could he do that if he were not God? People do that now a lot of times as well. It must be of God because it's supernatural. Well, clearly here, according to our text, the devil has the power to work miracles as well. And these are lying or deceiving wondrous things. And uh, part of that, it may not be a, a miraculous thing like, you know, restoring a leg to an amputee. Um, it could be something like, as we mentioned last week, however he does it, I don't know, but he is going to figure out a way to make the Arabs agreeable to letting the temple re be rebuilt on the Muslims, one of their holiest sites. You see, they believe that in Jerusalem that where the temple once stood and where the Dome of the Rock is now, that's where Muhammad ascended into heaven. And so Jerusalem is very, very holy to Christianity, of course, and also to Judaism, of course, but also to the Muslims. Now, how is he going to solve the Mideast problem? How is he going to get them all to agree so that they can take down the mosque and put up the temple. I don't know, but that will probably fit into the category of a lying wonder. That is a wondrous thing that people, I think, will be going, how in the world does he do this? He must be the Messiah. He must be God. And they're going to be deceived because it is a lying wonder. So he could take any number of forms. He may solve problems that nobody's been able to solve, at least temporarily. He may have uh, some way of working things out that everybody said would never come to an end. And yet it seems to have happened. And yet it's all a lie. It's all a deception. And of course he does have a false prophet. And he's going to bring all of the world's religions together to worship as one. And to kind of uh, uh, have them all amalgamated there. And, uh, you know, people want to do that now. You've seen the 
coexist stickers on people's cars, that kind of thing. Why can't we all be together? You hear people say all the time, well, all religions want the same thing and we all teach the same thing. And uh, we all worship the same God. We just call him by different names. And, well, that's just not true. The God of the Bible is separate and distinct and unique. And there's only one way to him. And that is through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Boy, that just really gets under people's skin nowadays when you would say that. How dare you say that? And they think that's arrogant. Well, I didn't say it. That's what Jesus himself said. And so when we think about all of that and people that are frustrated because all religions just can't hold hands and drink a Coke and have a wonderful time together and work together for world peace, somehow the Antichrist and his false prophet are going to bring them all together. That's another wonder, W-O-N-D-E-R, where they go, oh, he must be God. We've never seen anything like this. Isn't it wonderful that everybody is coming together? And how many songs can you think of? that talk about us all coming together and all laying things down. And I think about John Lennon singing, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try, no hell beneath us. And uh, imagine all the people, um, you know, coming together and uh, all of that. That's been the cry of people for a long time. That goes back to the Tower of Babel, doesn't it? We'll all build a tower and we'll have it reach into the heavens and uh, we'll be like God and we'll be where God is. And uh, all of that is nothing but a lie and it brings nothing but destruction upon people and uh, the whole thing is a farce. But he's going to seem to pull it off. Somehow he is going to... uh, do this kind of stuff because it's the power of Satan who is the father of lies. Now when he says, when we talk about somebody being indwelt by Satan, um, it's not the first time. In fact, in Luke 22 verse 3, it says, Then Satan entered Judas, named Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and um, conferred with the chief priest and the captains, how he might betray Jesus to them. So he did it back with Judas. And there are certain titles and characteristics of Judas, as evil as he was. He was called a devil one time. Jesus said, have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Um, He's also called the son of perdition. And those kind of things are used to describe the uh, Antichrist as well because he's going to be indwelt by Satan. And by the way, Satan and humans, by the way, have always wanted to rule in the place of God. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 and 13, this is about Satan. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, You who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. What was he saying? I want to rule. I want to be God. And he led a great rebellion against God himself and he did it as an angel in heaven. This has always been his goal. Always what he wants to do. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, when Satan in the form of a serpent is talking to Eve, then the serpent said to the woman Eve, You will not surely die, 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And that's what every religion tries to teach. That's what everybody does when they rebel against God. They say, I won't conform to any law and I will not bow before the Lord. I'll do what I want to do the way I want to do it, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And everyone else can just lump it. I am my own God. That's a dangerous and chilling thing for anyone to say. You may never actually mouth the words, I am my own God. But if you don't trust Christ as your Lord and Savior and you don't kneel before Him and submit to Him as your Lord, that's in essence what you're saying. And that goes all the way back to the garden. That's why Eve ate of the fruit. She was deceived by that. And uh, Adam went along with her, of course. And um, it, it just is kind of an amazing thing to know that we really have not progressed beyond that. It's still what we want to do. I'll be the captain of my soul. I'll be my own master. I'll take care of myself. And uh, we're, we're worse, if anything, than uh, Eve was even in the garden. But it, it still is the same thing. And we want to know everything and we want things to be our way. In fact, we even think about the working of miracles, the lying wonders, and the miracles that will be with that. Well, that goes back to Exodus 7, 11 and 12. Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, who is your God? Why should I obey him or pay any attention to him? And so uh, Moses works a miracle. And it says in... Um, Exodus 7, uh, 11, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with uh, their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And so even there, God says, yeah, but I'm stronger and I'm in control of all of this. But the point I want to make on that is even the devil does miracles. Even the devil does miracles. And in the verses we were looking at, they're called lying signs and wonders. Be careful. Again, not everything that glitters is gold. Not all that is religious is holy. And not every miracle is a work of God. Satan can deceive miracles be careful what you watch on tv be careful what preachers you listen to be careful what stories you receive and all of that because it could be a demonic deception number three when we talk about the spirit of antichrist uh, think about this the spirit of antichrist leads astray leads astray it doesn't lead you to the truth promises truth and it uh, act like, I know the truth. I know something you don't know. I know, you know, we're all intrigued by the secrets. If you want to sell a book, put the word secret in it. The secret to great tennis. The secret to championship golf. The secret to a rich retirement. Those kind of things. Because we're all convinced there's a secret out there. That uh, all of these people that are elite, they know something we don't know. And by the way, that's what the devil always will put in front of you. That's kind of what he did to Eve, didn't he? You know, uh, God told you some things, but I know something you don't know. 
There's something more to this. There's a secret. If you'll eat the fruit, you'll know good and evil and you will be like God. Always, always, always some kind of a secret. Can you imagine as the Antichrist comes on the scene, as he is speaking to a world that is so broken, so hurt, so drug addicted, so drunk, and uh, messed up sexually, and, and uh, relationships are not working out. They've been in pursuit of happiness, but all they find is misery. I feel sorry for people like that. And I feel sorry for people who thought that... Uh, if they could get that next fix or that next high, uh, that'll be just enough to carry them through where everything will be great. And all they did was end up being an addict or uh, being an alcoholic and being a shell of themselves. Then my heart goes out to them because they've been deceived. I'm thinking about the people that, that said, if I could just change my body to be a different gender... Then I would be happy. And what happens? They have a high suicide rate. My heart goes out to them because they believed a lie. I think about people who said, if I could just make another million dollars, if I could control a company, if I could control media, if I could gain political power, and then they find out when they get there that they're still not loved, they're still not secure, and they find out that in all of that they're still not happy. My heart goes out to them because that's the world in which we live. Now, we all can see that. We all can understand that you can be one of the beautiful people in Hollywood. You can win Oscars. You can have your face and body on the, all of the covers of all of the magazines and be absolutely miserable. What about somebody like uh, Marilyn Monroe? who had the attention of Hollywood, celebrities, politicians, and all of that, and yet ended up committing suicide. That is a horrible thing. And if you ever feel like you want to commit suicide, come talk to me, and if I can't help you, we'll find someone who can, because that's a horrible way to live. And uh, it doesn't give the answers that you think it does because if you believe in evolution you're thinking i'll just end it all life will be over no the bible says in hebrews 9 27 it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment there's a judgment that is awaiting every person after they die and so these people that think that by committing suicide it's going to give them 70 virgins in, the, in paradise with Allah and then they, their next conscious moment is in hell. I don't, I don't gloat over that. That breaks my heart. That must be horrible to do that. Or a person who says if I just can die and get off of this planet then everything will be great. I grieve on, on two respects for that person, especially if it's a person who's not saved, and they find out that they really didn't escape pain, but they entered into it. I grieve over that. And the second thing, I grieve over the families who sit around and blame themselves for the death of their loved ones. And by the way, suicide is not the unpardonable sin and so uh, some people say, well, if you commit suicide, you go straight to hell. That's nowhere found in the Bible. In fact, if you're a believer and you're to take your own life, it's a sin, yes. But Christ died for that sin and paid for it on the cross. Okay, so don't fall for legends and myths 
about those kind of things. Go to the Word of God. And I'm thinking about a world that we see right now in front of us so messed up. Okay? Let's say the Lord doesn't come for another, I don't know, 50 years. Do you actually think the world is going to be better in 50 years? Or 100 or 500 or 1,000? Put whatever number you want to put on it. And I'm going to say, no, I think it's going to be worse. I think it's going to be more broken. I think it's going to be more scarred. I think people are going to be more messed up. I think society is going to be more dysfunctional by that time. And let's say that the man of sin is revealed. And all of a sudden, he's got these magical, wonderful answers to everything. He can help you. You can meditate and all of a sudden, hey, you do feel better. But it is a satanic delusion and power that is working on you. You know, sometimes people get on a, a, something like an Ouija board and it actually tells them something that is going to happen. Folks, that is not of God. That's coming from demons. And there are people that go to fortune tellers and they uh, uh, attend a seance and some dead relative speaks to them that's not a dead relative that is a demon impersonating them and sometimes it comes true or it gets awfully close gene dixon uh, most of my childhood every january all of the tabloids are filled with what gene dixon predicts most of them did not come come true in fact only about 10 percent of anything she ever predicted came through and yet she became famous and became a multi-millionaire as a prophet for all of these things. Well, sometimes she got it right. Sometimes she would get close. Now, the Bible says the test of a true prophet of God is that they are not close, they are dead on, and they are always right, not just 10% of the time. But people thought, oh, she's got something. Well, that something that she had was not from the Holy Spirit, no matter what she said. It was a demonic lie and deception. Now, let's just think about a world that continues on in all of this. And yet this guy, this man of sin, he says something. You're just under guilt because of the religion of your parents and your ancestors. You need to get rid of all of that and live your life. And you do it, and for a while you go, whee, this is fun. Man, this is great. Why didn't I do this before? Man, this guy's got all the answers. And yet it's going to be for what? To lead them not to peace, not to uh, righteousness, not to holiness, not to salvation, but they're going to be led astray. In all of this, things are going to get worse. Now, for the first half of the tribulation, the Bible seems to uh, indicate that it's going to be a time of peace and everybody's going to go, what were we worried about? And what were those nuts who warned us not to be in this worried about? Man, this is great. All the religions are coming together and uh, we've got a man who can solve our crime problems, a man who can solve our social problems, a man who has even solved the problems in the Middle East. Wow, there's never been a better time to be alive than this. That's only going to last for a certain period of time. And then it is all going to become crashing down. And the wrath of God is going to come upon the earth and upon the people of the earth. And it is going to be worse than anything ever imagined because the spirit of Antichrist 
leads astray. Now remember that spirit's already here. So people are already being led astray. But it's going to be worse during that time. And uh, these people are not going to receive truth. And they're certainly not going to love the truth. Have you noticed that we're living in an age where it used to be that truth was respected and even if you didn't like it, you grudgingly would give your respect to it. Now people just simply deny the truth. Men can have babies, right? They're putting feminine products in elementary school bathrooms that once were boys' bathrooms. And we look... At that and say, how can anybody believe that? What's going on with all of this? Well, let me just say, they are. And they're acting accordingly. And it's changing everything in our society. And it's something that nobody would ever think of or believe for thousands of years of human history. And yet here we are, the enlightened ones. And it's us, spirit of delusion, that we might believe a lie been gradual coming on in various things but then when it hits it hits all at once this is the spirit of antichrist this is what's going to happen during the tribulation period that is coming on and it's going to come because they don't love truth and they don't desire the truth there's an unrighteous deception that is happening in john uh, chapter 17 verse 17 Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Well, what's that? Then he says, your word is truth. So anything that goes against the word of God is an untruth. So when people say, well, there are many ways to God. Sorry, that's not what the Bible says. And the Bible is truth. And the people say, well, there are many, many, many genders. Sorry, the Bible says he created them male and female. And so we've got to get back to where we embrace the truth. In fact, Paul says here that they did not love the truth. And I will go so far as to say we're living in an age where the spirit of Antichrist is causing people to not just disagree with the truth, but they hate, H-A-T-E, they hate the truth and they hate everybody who tells the truth. Now, to be clear, Let's not make them mad at us because of the way we tell the truth. When we get up in people's faces and we yell at them and we act mean and we act unkind and we act ungodly. No, we're, we're the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Don't let that get away with you. You never have a right to be ugly. You never have a right to be uh, wrong in what you do. But uh, think about it. There are people now that will hate you and they'll hate what you believe and they'll hate what you say and they'll hate your opinions because they are truth. Well, this is just a picture of what's going to happen and what's going to be common in the uh, tribulation period where they do not embrace the truth because they do not love the truth. It's a hatred and a rejection of the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, 7 and 8 says... The honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Well, that makes them mad. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So you throw the gospel out there thinking it's good news. But do you remember in uh, one of the Home Alones, I think it's uh, the second one, 
when Kevin McAllister is running from the bad guys and uh, they're chasing him and he uh, grabs some beads off of a table and, and then takes the beads and gets them off of the string so they're all over the pavement and then the bad guys start, you know, falling and doing all of that. That's the way the gospel is for a lot of people. It's an offense to them. It is in their way. It keeps them from doing what they want to do and believing what they want to believe and it confronts them in their sin and so they don't embrace it with arms wide open but they're tripping over it. They're stumbling over it. They can't get their footing in it because the gospel is exposing them as being sinners. And so we can't say, I'm okay, you're okay, let's hold hands and uh, whistle zippity doo dah and go to heaven together. It just doesn't work like that at all. It's a stumbling stone. Jesus himself is offensive to people. Well, we're already seeing that, aren't we? And so the spirit of Antichrist is here. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing foolishness to those who are perishing they're not all out there saying please somebody tell me the gospel please give me good news they don't think they need it and they don't want it and so when you tell it to them you're offending them what do you mean telling me i'm a sinner and that i need a savior and that god is going to condemn me how could a loving god condemn me i'm the greatest person on the planet after all and uh, that would never ever happen so they don't get it and uh it says in 1 Corinthians 1.23, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Well, nothing's changed since then. And guess what? It won't change during the tribulation it, except that it will get worse. And the Antichrist will be leading them astray. And number four, notice that the spirit of Antichrist, well, it perverts logic. Perverts logic. Well, we kind of see that today, don't we? We've already made reference to that. So many things now that even just 10 years ago, you would have said, oh, nobody will ever go for that. Oh, that'll never catch on. Well, now it is. Now it is. And we live in a world that doesn't make sense. And it says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. Good night. That's going to happen during the tribulation. You mean it's going to be worse than it is now? Yeah, God's going to see to it. That's necessary to carry out his prophetic plans. Wow, it must you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay? That they should believe the lie and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but uh, had pleasure in unrighteousness. And isn't that the bottom line? People don't believe the truth of the word of God because they like what they're already doing. I like it. Uh, I've got a better way. Sorry, I like what I'm doing now. I'm perfectly happy in this perversion that I'm in. I'm perfectly happy in doing what I'm doing now. And uh, I don't need you. Or I hope, I'm glad it works for you, but I don't need it. And then they, uh, of course, turn against it. Isaiah 5 puts it this way in verse 20. Uh, woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter you know I can remember when I heard Paige Patterson preach on that one time and I go wow I've never really noticed that verse before and uh, I was really impressed by the message that he preached 
You know, I've seen those verses now on Facebook and other places more times than I want to count. I think all of us who love the Lord instinctively know we're living in that time and it doesn't make any sense. It is not working. It is not fixing anything. It is not putting things back in order. Things are getting worse and people are getting worse and mental illness is running rampant and all of these kind of things and uh, we keep running toward answers that are hurting us. What's going on? Because everybody's calling evil good and good evil and that type of thing. We're living in those times. But how about this one? I think this describes our culture uh, very well. Amos chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Woe to you who put far off the day of judgment, the day of doom. Now he was talking to the northern kingdom of Israel and they uh, heard all the prophecies. Assyria is going to take you over. Ah, no, it'll never happen. Well, it won't happen in our lifetime. Oh, we'll never see that. And he said they kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And then he describes them. These kind of people who cause the seed of violence to come near. They don't think they're ever going to fall. They're never going to be invaded. But yet their murder rate keeps going up. Their crime rate keeps going up. Does it sound like us? We say, oh, America will never fall. It'll never happen here. And yet we can't even control, control our own inner cities, can we? What makes us think we could ever repel an invader without the help of God? We think we can do it on our own. Sorry, that's not going to happen. And then he goes on further to describe. Verse 4. Who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on your couches, eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments, and invent for themselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the best ointments. So here they are, headed toward judgment. And you know what they're doing? They're just lying around lazily in the lap of luxury, eating meat, gorging themselves, listening to music, inventing new music, and uh, putting on perfume and cologne and going, oh, everything is great. And yet, knowing that the judgment is coming, they go, ah, oh, it'll never happen. Oh, it won't happen in our lifetime. We'll let our kids or our grandkids deal with that. Does that sound like any culture you know of? We hear people tell us, warning us of things to come, warning us of things in the economy, warning us of things in our supply chain, warning us in all of those. And yet, what do we do? Oh, let's just go to out, out, uh, back and get a steak. Don't worry about it. It's never going to happen here. We'll never see anything like that. Well, maybe not. But I will tell you this. There is a day coming sometime and the Lord is going to see to it you would think that we especially as the people of God would wake up and we would say you know when we see all these things around us we better get right with God we better serve God we better pray but you don't see very many people interested in fasting and praying for their church or for their family fast why we're too busy eating the best of the flocks and gorging ourselves. I would never do anything like that, really. 
We see people that are playing around with the things of the world. And uh, instead of being warned, and instead of remembering their Creator, they continue on in it. Oh, it won't hurt me. Oh, I can handle it. Oh, that'll never happen to me. And yet it does over and over and over and over. So many people that end up in so many different horrible situations that they never intended to get into. I may be speaking to you today and you may be in that situation or you may be headed toward that situation. And can I say to you today there's only one way out and that is through Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins today and you need to put your full trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior today that he paid for your sins you can't but he can and did on the cross and you need to surrender to him as lord turn the keys over to him he's the boss he's the master he is your owner he calls the shots surrender to him and call upon him to save he promised you whoever calls upon the name of the lord will be saved and if the holy spirit is drawing you to him today then my advice would be you need to run to him because he is the only way. And if you're a Christian here today, why are you acting like the world, following the world? Why are you living like the world? Why are you so casual in your walk with God? Why do you not care? Why do you not hunger for the truth? Why do you not live the truth? Why are you not battling sin and things you know to be wrong in your life? There's something horribly wrong with you if you're a Christian and you can live like that. Time is short, and we are supposed to be salt and light while we live here on the earth. And so I end with this to say, this is all going to happen, and the only thing that will spare you from it is, I'll just sum it up like this. Hey, get right with God today. Today is the day of salvation. And all God's people said, Amen. Pray with me. Father, we uh, look at all of this and we can already see the stuff that is predicted for the horrible time of tribulation in this man of sin. Well, it's already here. We already see these tendencies in our own leaders. We already see this in our neighbors. We see this in our family. We see it in ourselves because the spirit of Antichrist is already here. But thank you that you're here as well. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we won't be shaken. And we're not going to be afraid. We're going to rest in you. Because you will never leave us or forsake us. You will take care of us. And you will guide us, Holy Spirit, into truth, the word says. And so we thank you for that. And we pray for people who are lost. May they come to know Christ as Lord and Savior because of your work in their life. And we pray you would do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.